Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Welcome there. Uh, you know, whatever time of day it is for you tuning in right now, I want to give you a warm welcome, whether it's the morning, afternoon, evening, middle of the night, it really doesn't matter. But uh, thank you for tuning in to Global Church Online. My name's Andy and I'm a leader here at our church plant and uh, in, based in York. And so it's, it's so exciting that I get to share this message with you. I want to really carry on from what Dave was preaching, our senior leader last week, off the back of the Easter message. And, you know, things are, I guess before I kind of launch into my message, just to explain a little bit about me, because I'll be new to many of you is uh, my name's Andy, married to Anna, and we've actually, we've, we've got four kids, have to kind of just check how many there are now. Um, and our newest or youngest is, is Rosie. She just is five months old. We've also got three boys above her, Caleb, Micah, and Eli. They keep things very alive and busy in our household. And so for any of you families with kids out there, um, you know, first off, well done. You know, you're getting through lockdowns, no matter what part of the world you're in, I'm sure you know, getting through a lockdown with children is no easy feat. And certainly when schools have been closed, thankfully in Britain, you know, schools are open at the moment. So it does provide a lot of respite. And, uh, you know, thank thank God for education and, and teachers that can look after our kids. So it's not just down to us 24-7. But Anna, must, Anna, my, Anna and I, sorry, you know, we, we own a few businesses. Uh, we're, we're kind of involved in, in running children's nurseries, but also in properties and, and usually holiday lights. So... You know, life has always got something uh, unexpected around the corner. There's always something going on. And, you know, but really our heart is that we, we get to lead a church here in York. Um, but I guess this morning or whatever time it is in day for you is that we want, I wanted to just carry on the, the theme of Easter and really follow on from what Dave was bringing last week off the back of uh, just hearing about the Easter story, really the heart and crux of the gospel message. And so I guess... You know, I love some of the, the, the kind of the key themes that Dave was, was bringing to us. And I hope you heard it too. But the thing I kept hearing time and time again was, for God so loved the world. And it's such a powerful, in fact, it's probably the most prominent or most well-known scripture out there in terms of the John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. You know, it's an incredible message of hope. Even though we, 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 you know, in this Easter story, we have Good Friday where Jesus is on the cross, hanging, dead. And yet three days later, we hear about Easter Sunday and the resurrection and being coming back to life. And I think, you know, there's, there's certain things in today's society, you know, as we're facing so many uncertainties and a lockdown that almost seems to be never ending. I don't know what it's like in other parts of the world, but in Britain, this third lockdown is having its toll. And I don't know where you are today in life. And there might be certain things where you were just filled with uncertainty. You don't know what the next step is going to be. I mean, even now we have a roadmap out of a lockdown, but really it's not completely guaranteed. You know, Boris and the government and our leaders are kind of saying things could change. We have to be aware of different things. And I realized that in a similar parallel, you know, the Easter story, there was so much uncertainty. Jesus, who was meant to be the, the king of the Jews, the savior, who was going to, you know, in their mind was going to lead the Israelites almost like a conquering king and, and take over the, the, the ruling empire, the Romans of the day. But instead, they find that their supposed king is on a cross, hanging there, looking like the, the end is near. 
And, and, and even the people closest to Jesus, the, the disciples that had been with him for three years, they'd been by his side. They'd seen him raise people from the dead like Lazarus. They'd seen him multiply bread and fish and feed 10,000. You know, they'd seen him do the miraculous. They'd heard him speak things that were just mind blowing. And they'd also experienced the love and the kindness and, and his goodness to people, how he handled the, the, the religious leaders with, with a real cutting edge. You know, he wasn't just a kind person or a nice guy. Jesus was phenomenal. He was, he was God in human flesh. But at that moment on, on Good Friday where he hangs on the cross, there was so much uncertainty. What is going on? And I wonder in your world whether you've asked that same question, what is going on? You know, with the lockdown, it's like, I don't know if I can cope much longer, whether it's in my career or maybe it's a business, or whether it's just been the isolated nature of not being able to see the people that we would normally see on a daily basis. Maybe it's not being able to get out into the pubs or the restaurants or being able to freely exercise wherever we choose. You know, whatever it might be, it, it could be the, the mental health challenges that we're facing. I don't think there's many people I know that haven't struggled at some point over the last 12 months with some mental anxiety or challenge or issue because this is an unusual time and the level of uncertainty is through the roof. You know, we never, I, I remember when this first lockdown happened, I was like, of course it's going to be over. You know, it's going to be 12, 16 weeks. That's probably even an exaggeration. And yet here we are so much further down the line. And in, in, with Good Friday, that same uncertainty was there. The people close to Jesus thinking, what is going on? What was this all about? What did we give our last three years to this man only to see him dying on a cross? He's not leading us to victory like we thought he would, but he's dying. And in fact, he's now in the tomb. He's in the grave. And I guess in those moments, you kind of, I think we can sympathize or understand that the people close to Jesus, disciples, the people that followed him was like, all hope is lost. And maybe there's been times in, during this year, during this pandemic, where you've thought, all hope is lost. Or maybe your, your marriage, it just looks like the pressure, the strain, the, the, the arguing, the bickering, you know, gets too much and you think, what, you know, can it survive much longer? And yet, you know, if you've got this far in the lockdown, well done, you know, to your husbands and wives and the families and, and sticking together, well done. And, you know, for those that have like kept the business together or held on to the career, you know, they've been able to make ends meet financially, well done. It's not been easy. And so, you know, our thoughts as a church go out to you, but we want to re resource and strengthen people. That's what we believe in Global Church. We don't just want to pass on a, a religious message. We want to really equip you for life and really pass on the power of the gospel, the power of what Jesus did. Because even though there was uncertainty on Good Friday, the miraculous happened on Easter Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead. The impossible happened. And I don't know whether there are situations right now in your life where you need the impossible to happen. You need something to break through and break in to remind you that there is a God. Even today, you might not believe in Jesus. You might not call yourself a Christian, but God still wants to show off in your life. You know, as we start to look to him, you know, when everything else around us is starting to crumble, our world, our, our kind of realities that we're so used to, and I'm sure over this last 12 months, many of our realities have certainly changed and shifted from what they were before the pandemic. But I want to encourage you that Jesus wants to, he wants to come into your life and he wants to do the miraculous. He doesn't just want to have some sort of pious relationship between God Almighty and the people on earth. He actually wants to get to know you, you as an individual, your struggles. He knows you, but he wants you to get to know him. And so 
I, I realized that in, in this COVID you know, world, so many people, when their worlds have started to collapse, we start to kind of find, well, who can we blame about this? Because before COVID, there was loads of things. You know, maybe our boss at work made us redundant. Maybe, you know, you know our, our children were misbehaving or our wife was threatening walking out. And so you almost, you can find someone to cast the blame on while life is not working out. But right now, it's almost like we haven't got a someone. <laughs> we almost, you know, people start to look and say, well, God, what are you doing? Why have you caused this pandemic? You know, we almost want to try and blame someone. And if we, if we can't find someone here on earth, well, let's look to God and try and put the blame on him. But God hasn't brought COVID to the planet, you know, for everyone to be frustrated. I can use these situations for us to kind of get to the end of ourselves and think, what is life about? And my hope and prayer for so many people is that we don't carry on maybe in the way that we, kept, we, we were living before the pandemic, but actually we question some of these big questions for life. Like, what is life about? And if certain things are stripped away from it, you know, what's the point in living? And there is a point. And the Easter message is really the heart and the crux of what life is all about. You've got to think our whole annual calendar is centered around this man called Jesus. We are in the year 2021. I've got to just remind myself because 2020 was a write-off. But that is based on what happened just over 2,000 years ago with Jesus at the cross. Before Christ, B.C., and then A.D., something else in Latin that I still can't remember, even having learned it in school. But there's so much centered around this man, Jesus Christ. And I guess as he, you know, conquers death, my first kind of, I guess, point or like headline for you is that Jesus defeated the ultimate. You know, for so many of us, death is something that even though it's existed at the same time that life has existed, death has accompanied it. You know, there is a time for us to be born and there is a time for us to die. And yet for, for as long as there has been life on earth, the fear of death has gripped mankind. You know, we mourn the loss of loved ones. And even though it's been something that we're all familiar with, we all will never deny that it will at some point happen to you and I. We still wrestle with the fact that death does happen, that there is an end. And I'm sure part of that wrestling is with the uncertainty of what happens afterwards. But I guess I'm here to say that Jesus at the cross 2000 years ago, he conquered death. He defeated what seemed to be undefeatable. And it wasn't just when he raised Lazarus from the dead. It's, he, you know, as he was bearing the sin of the world on the cross and then got sent to the tomb, he rose himself from death to life. You know, so when Jesus conquered death, there is nothing else on this planet or in the world or in the realms of heaven that, that, that he can't overcome. And so whether it's a mountain of debt, whether it's a relationship that you feel is right on the brink of just falling apart, whether it's a career or a business that is just at the edge, it's at the end of what you think is, is possible before things collapse, Jesus can do the impossible. He has conquered the ultimate thing. And, you know, death cannot separate us from God or hold us down because so often we think that's game over. And actually, you know, often we get we, we throw in the towel before death comes knocking at our, our door. Often when 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 certain things in our, our life or reality uh, uh, collapse, we almost think, well, there's no point to living. It breaks my heart when I realize how many people, you know, in York, there's a river that runs right through the city. And how many times that there have been police, there have been boats on the river looking for people that have jumped off the bridge because they couldn't put up with life and the pressure that was going on around them. And I believe in so many ways it's because they were rooted or they were grounded on the wrong things. You know, life was not just about the status that we can get or the money that we can we can we can we can gather or the 
or even the sex that we can experience or whatever it is that is what, what people are yearning for or going for. Because really we were created for a creator, for God Almighty. There's a design, a designer behind the design of who we are. And we were created to be in relationship with him. That's like the foundation, the premise. Everything else kind of comes secondary to that. But when you put everything else, it's still very good, like children, like relationships. Even earning money is a good thing. When you put that first and foremost in your life, that's when it becomes, it can become a damaging thing because we're, we're trying to demand something from it that it can't fundamentally provide. You know, there's, there's, there's an issue of our human heart where we need our creator. We were designed, we were formed in our mother's wombs to be in a relationship with God Almighty. Someone who is unchanging, someone who is all powerful, someone who is all knowing, but can say to you and I, I love you. You, you're my son, my daughter, whom I'm love and whom I'm well pleased. You know, God wants you to hear that message today. Why? Because of what his son, his one and only son, Jesus Christ, did at the cross 2000 years ago. Dave said it last week. He didn't just do it for a religion. He did it for you. He did it for me. And that thought can take a while to just settle into our thinking. It can take a lifetime to really think, wow, the, the, the sheer size and immensity of what God has done for me at the cross. There's an amazing scripture that says, for the joy set before him, that is Jesus. He went to the cross. I mean, the cross is a torture device. It's not even, you know, we, we, you know, Christians can wear it around their neck, but bear in mind it'd be like the similarity of wearing a, a, an electric chair or the lethal injection. But no, we wear it because it's not just a symbol of death, what the Romans had meant for and torture. It's actually a symbol of hope because at the cross, we realise that death did not win. Satan had not, was not victorious, even though probably at that moment, Satan's thinking, yes, I've done it. I've wiped out God's one and only son. I've wiped out the hope of the world. What he didn't realise was that was God's plan all along, that Jesus, the perfect perfect man that lived a perfect life was able to pay the price at the cross and so because of that he was able to conquer and defeat sin the grave and death and we now can benefit from that so death cannot separate us from God it, it can't hold us down you know we might think there are certain things in life that can hold us down but I'm here to say God doesn't want you to be bound up or bound or held down by those things he wants you to experience the hope and the promise of believing in his son because when we believe in Jesus, everything else kind of comes into its right perspective. You know, when you stand right close to a mountain, right, that's a mountain of debt and your, your bank balance is screaming at you in red digits or it's the letters coming through the post of bills requiring payment. You know, that, that debt and that, that pain is right in the forefront of your mind. But if you could step back and step back and step back and realise that that's not the summation of your life. There's so much more. And actually, when you realize how big your God is and how big God's love and how much he cares for you and how he has got a way forward for you in your situation, all of a sudden that mountain of debt becomes a little molehill. And so there are things in your life right now, whatever area it is, I believe that God's wanting to say, when you look to God, then you get a better perspective on those things. It's, it's you know, children are the best for this. You know, my three boys, you know, they're constantly telling me things and, you know, because from their mind, it's like, this is the only thing that matters right here, right now. You know, like they're saying they're bored. I'm like, come on, kids, you're, you're going to be bored a lot in life if you're always wanting entertainment 24-7. I mean, they're not up all night, but uh, I'm sure they'd like to be. And, you know, as kids, they're, they're constantly demanding, demanding, wanting more and more and more. You know, they don't sometimes have that perspective like, 
you know, there's, there's something tomorrow. We, we don't have to cram all the Easter eggs <laughs> all at once. We can spread some of this stuff out because they, they, they live in the moment. And I guess as people, we start to hopefully weed ourselves off that in some respects. But, but there's so much to life where, um, you know, I believe that Jesus is wanting us to, to learn to rely on him and not just on, on just getting used to what's immediately in front of us. So we step back from our reality and have a better, healthier perspective for the future and healthiest perspective for the now that we're living in. So my first point is that I want to really just, just share a part of the passage of the Bible. It's, uh, it's in the, the Gospel of John. Dave shared last week that the Gospels are four accounts of Jesus' life here on earth and his death and then even part of his resurrection when he, he lived and breathed and walked amongst the people in Jerusalem. And so this is from John chapter 20. It's taken from the message version of the Bible. So it's a little bit easier, hopefully, for, for, for you new to, to, to the Bible to understand. And it says, early in the morning, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. I mean, just think about that. I mean, this stone, by the way, it wasn't like a little rock. It was a humongous boulder that covered the entrance to the tomb. There were guards stationed outside to ensure that, the, you know, the religious zealots of the time couldn't do something or steal the body away or claim that he had risen even though they'd just stolen a body. You know, the, the Roman Empire knew that this was, a, this was a stunt that could happen. And so they made sure that this grave was secure, that no, you know, petty someone could come in and, 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 and really start to create a, a PR campaign that something had happened when it hadn't. But when Mary turns up to the grave, it's like, I can imagine thinking, what is going on? Probably scared stiff, like have robbers come? You know, what about the guards? Have they done something? You know, what, it'd be a little bit eerie, you know, just at the beginning of the day where it's not quite light and you're thinking, all I can see is a cave. <laughs> um, so she ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple. The other disciple, by the way, is John. I don't know why, but he writes about himself in the third person. And, uh, but he does say it's the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> Gasping for breath, Mary was. They took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. I mean, who is they? Even she doesn't know, but she's like, something's happened. Something's gone wrong. So Peter and the other disciple, John, they left immediately. Straight, straight away, they left. They didn't hang fire thinking, what, what's happening? And I, I want to say that this morning or whatever time of day it is, that straight after this message, in fact, right now in the heart of this message, you can experience something immediately. You can experience the power of God on your life. And I'm believing that as I'm speaking, that God's spirit is moving amongst you, that he's He's ministering to your heart or to your mind, helping you to kind of understand just the sheer size of the gospel and what, what happened all these years ago. You know, they ran to the tomb, neck and neck. The other disciple, John, got to the tomb first. He outrun Peter. He had to make that clear that he was the winner. <laughs> he stooped to look in and he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. It's like he looks in and thinking, what the heck? Is there something around the corner? I almost imagine it to be like a crime scene. You can just think, I do, I'm not sure about this. What is going on? I mean, I love a good crime drama, you know, and, uh, but, but really you think, oh yeah, of course I'll just walk straight in. But then, you know, I'm going to wait for the, the real guns, you know, Peter to turn up behind. So anyway, Simon Peter, he arrives after him. He, they enter the tomb, observe the linen cloths lying there. These are the cloths that would have covered, uh, you know, Jesus' body. You know, all, all the kind of the, the brutal wounds that he was inflicted upon by the guards and by carrying the cross and being, you know, these cloths were there to kind of cover and, and cover all, all, all the, the, the pain and stuff that was what was covering his body. 
and, and the kerchief used to cover his head, not lined with the linen cloths, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, the one who had gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence and believed. He took one look at the evidence and believed. I want to talk about this. No, no one yet knew from the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. And so the disciples then went back home. You know, they, they took one look at the evidence and believed. I want to say that, you know, so often in life and certainly in the Western world, we want to see everything. We want to know exactly what it is that's going to happen. We don't want uncertainty. We want certainty. But these disciples, they came to the tomb and they saw the evidence and they believed. What did they believe in? Do you know what? I believe that they, they believed that God was at work. They didn't fully understand it. They didn't know. Like it said in the, in, in the sentence afterwards, they did not know, you know, that, you know, that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. So it wasn't like, ah, bingo, you know, I've solved the puzzle. I get it now. Ah, this is what's going on. No, they didn't have that awareness. All they had was that they saw some evidence and they believed. They believed that God was at work. They believed that something miraculous was happening, that they were in the midst of something supernatural, that it was, it was to do with Jesus, to do with God, that actually hope was able to come back into their thinking, back into their heart, back into their soul. And I want to say that there are times where you will not be able to understand what God is doing. God does not work always within the logical or the practical. You know, he wants to blow your mind. He wants to surprise you. And it's not with the worldly wisdom. He likes to confound the wise, it says, and sometimes use the simple things of this world to really make an impact. You know, he doesn't have to operate within the rules or the, the laws of science. You know, Jesus being dead and buried in that tomb for three days, his body would have been putrefied, you know, decomposing from the inside out. The stench, the smell, everything would have been atrocious. I don't think there's any medical professional that could tell you that someone can die and three days later can rise again. The closest we come to is when we get that, as it the ECG machine and we, you know, someone's just on the edge and we have to, you know, jolt their heart back to life. But there's only seconds or moments or minutes at most where we have that window of opportunity. Three days, impossible. And yet Jesus and God defied the impossible. I wonder if there's situations in your life that need defying. And actually, you don't need to fully understand everything that God or how God's going to do things. But if you can just believe, if you can look, if you can have faith, the Bible says, the size of a mustard seed, i.e. really, 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 really small, tiny, then God can do a miracle. He can do the impossible. And I believe that so, you know, um, so fervently, I guess it's not a great word, but so true for my own life. When I've looked back over situations that we've had in, in family life, in our businesses, in church, in our finances. I mean, if I, if I had the time, I would tell you so many stories. And the people that are in church that have had the very same stories where God has turned up, he has defied the impossible. It's, it's just incredible. So here's my second point is that we can believe without knowing everything. You know, they, the, the disciples, they saw the evidence, they didn't understand it, but they believed that it was God at work. Something was about to happen. And when you believe that something's about to happen in your life and you're looking to God for that miracle, then something, I promise, will happen. God doesn't want to leave us destitute. He wants you to succeed just like a good mother or father wants to see their children flourish in life. They don't want to see them penalised, pressed down, pushed down and, and, and torn apart. They want to see, I want to see my boys and my girl 
become fantastic human beings. I want them to stand on my shoulders. And God is a great father. I'm mediocre half the time. You know, I try my best, but I fail. I get impatient, I get tired, I get angry. I don't know if there's any other dads who feel that sometimes in a lockdown, your patience gets tested. But God is all, you know, he can be patient beyond what human beings can be. And he's a father, he looks to you and I, no matter what age we are. And as an old man or an old woman, we sometimes struggle to think that we are someone's son or someone's daughter, but we are, we know this to be true. Even if our grandparents or parents have passed away, the great thing is we have an eternal heavenly father who still sees you, no matter what age you are, as a son or a daughter. Someone that's precious, someone that's valued, no matter what you've been through in life, you have a value and God sees that value and he wants to restore the value that maybe you feel like you've lost. He wants to restore your confidence. And as we start to have that little small seed of belief that maybe God's doing something, maybe, just maybe, we can get through the next few months, the next few months of bills. Maybe we can get through just a few more weeks and then things will start to ease up. But I believe that God's going to turn up. You see, it carries on in the scripture that Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. For me, this is such a powerful point because, you know, for so many of us, we didn't get to walk with Jesus. We didn't get to experience him physically by our side. We weren't able to have that conversation over the table, having a pint, having a drink, you know, and just to let you know, Jesus did drink. His first miracle was turning water into wine at a wedding feast, at a wedding party. And not a wedding like it is today, a wedding that lasted days, if not closer to a week. And celebrating, being able to just enjoy the presence of people around us. But, you know, Mary wept for Jesus. And for me, that just it, it's that picture of, you know, Jesus touched people's lives. You know, he people cared for him. That, that there was an impact in the, the short three year span where he was ministering or, or out in the world he obviously grew up with his family but those final three years where he was fulfilling his purpose on earth people connected to him there was Mary there were the disciples but then there were the children that gathered at Jesus' feet you know there was something about Jesus that was so relational the tax collectors the people that were the ones that you thought they're just crooks they're, they are criminals why collar criminals they extort money from the people and yet Jesus invite himself round to the house of a chief tax collector. He was there on his knees with a prostitute caught in the act of adultery. You know, whatever segment of society, he, he somehow was able to connect in a way that they didn't feel condescended. They didn't feel like they were being spoken down to, but actually they felt like someone who knew them, cared for them and wanted to lift them up. And I believe that saying today that God looks at you and, and he, he wants you to know that he cares for you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. But he wants to lift you up. But to be lifted up, we sometimes need to extend a hand or extend an arm. You know, like a child who falls down and sometimes they're crying out to the mom or dad saying, like, help, help. And you know, on one hand, they can get themselves up. But on another, they want to know the security of their mom or their dad picking them up and feeling that embrace. And it can sound a little bit, you know, almost it's a child, but... You know, as even as adults, we know that our minds come to a place sometimes where we feel absolutely broken. We feel lost and we need someone. And actually on the, on, on the planet, while we can find counsellors, we can find medication, we can find self-help books or podcasts or resources and, and quotes that can uplift us. Sometimes those things are not enough. And what we need is from someone. And, and I believe that really this can only come from a God 
who loves us and has like unlimited love and grace for, for us. You know, a human being can't provide that. Even our own spouses cannot provide sometimes the level of, 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 of confidence that we need to get through some of the darkest days that we face. But God Almighty can. And as we look to him, as we cast our eyes on him, even if we, we don't fully understand God, I don't fully understand gravity or electricity or how we can get a spacecraft from here to the moon. But, you know, I trust certain things and I trust that God can do things that I can't fully understand or comprehend. He can do more than I could ever dream, ask or imagine. And the same is true for you today. So Mary was weeping and as she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and she saw two angels sitting there dressed in white, one at the head, the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. And they said to her, woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. I imagine she was in floods of tears, you know, that kind of awful, like you, you can't see clearly. There's probably snot coming out of your nose. You are in a state. The person that had been so significant to this woman, to this Mary, you know, was not there. And it was uncomprehensible. Un you know, she could not understand what was going on. But it goes on to say that Jesus spoke to her. Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? And she, thinking that he was the gardener, said, Sir, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. She's clutching at straws. She's clutching at anything. And you know what? It's all right if you are clutching at straws right now in your life. Because you know that's when we, when we come to the end of ourselves, we start to think, God, if you're there, please, please, just anything. <laughs> but Jesus said, Mary, one word. Turning to him, she said in Hebrew, Rabbani, meaning teacher. Jesus said one word, Mary. And I guess I want to say on my final point that Jesus, he knows your name. He believes in you. You know, it means so much to us when someone calls our name. You know, when we're walking down the street, I don't know what it's like in your city or your area that you live, but when someone recognizes you and it's like, brilliant, it's great, you say hi. But he's like, hey, Andy, I'm like, I feel a million dollars, a million pounds. I'm not American. <laughs> But when someone knows you by name, there's something precious about your name. When someone calls you it and it touches your heart, it touches your mind because, you know, we can greet one another. But actually, when someone knows our name, we know that they care about us. And in that one word, you know, Jesus unlocked Mary. There was this like dawning realization that the man, it's not just some man. It's not just a gardener who's walking around. It's actually the one that I love because I can recognize the way of how his voice attached to my name and it just felt so good. It sounded so good to hear. And I want to say that God is, he's, he, he, he will want to speak your name. He is speaking your name over you, but sometimes we can't hear that because we just think we're not good enough. We're not qualified enough that we've done too much stuff in our life for God to ever want to call upon us and say, Andy, I'm here for you. I love you. I care for you. And, and I believe in you. You know, when someone believes in us, it means so much. Years ago, I remember when I first started out in business, someone, uh, someone, a friend really, but they, they said, I want to invest in you. It meant so much to me, not the money. It was a small amount of money, really. But that it was almost that behind that, that investing was also that they believed in me. You know, so what was more important than the money was actually the, their belief in me. 
And I, I absolutely believe that, you know, if we could recognize or realize just how much God believes in you, how much that can release what's on the inside of us, what can help us break free and break through some of the baggage and the bondage that we've picked up over the years on, the, on earth. Because there's an enemy trying to pull us down, to lock you in, to keep you completely down from ever achieving the destiny or the plan or purpose that God has for you. But God wants to call you by name and say, come, I believe in you. You are my son. You are my daughter in whom I love, in whom I'm well pleased. You know, God is pleased with you today, not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. You're one of his sons, one of his daughters. No matter how estranged we might have been from, the, from God the Father, he still wants to call you by name. I've said a lot this morning or whatever time of day it is for you. But I want to just I wanted to just wrap things up. And like Dave has said, you know, every week we give people an opportunity to, to, to receive and accept Jesus as their king, as their savior. You know, even though that Jesus walked the planet 2000 years ago, when he ascended into heaven, he then sent his Holy Spirit, which is powerful. We, we don't always fully understand or can comprehend what that means. But really, it means that we have God not just in one place restricted at one moment in time, but we have got the Holy Spirit within us, wherever we go, at every moment of the day. And, you know, God wants to wants to connect with you. He wants to, for you to be able to, to turn from your past and actually receive what Jesus did at the cross. The gift. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to earn it. The cost was already paid by Jesus. But what we do have to do is believe. Believe, even though we might not understand everything, but believe in the evidence that's there. So I would encourage you, why don't you look into some of the evidence? If, if, why don't you tune in next week and hear more? Because this message isn't just a podcast or something that you can pick up from a book. This is the crux of why we are here as humanity. And there's so much that I'd love to share. And in future weeks, you know, you'll, you can get these messages every week. You can go back on the library of talks and listen back on what Dave has said and other preachers from Global Church. But it's powerful when you start to receive, when you start to believe what's been spoken. And so if you just want to, uh, if you can close your eyes and bow your head for a moment, I just want to pray for us all and give people an opportunity to believe in Jesus today. God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you did at the cross 2000 years ago, sending your only son, Jesus. And I want to thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross for the joy set before you. It wasn't reluctance. It wasn't with any sort of fear. It was it was boldly going forward. And it wasn't because, you know, you were looking forward to pain, but you were looking forward to reestablishing the relationship between humanity and God. Lord, I want to pray that, you know, for, for, for many of us, you know, we, we've tried to get through life off our own strength, off our own backs, off our own minds and, 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 and thinking. But God, I want to say that I want to repent. I want to turn away from what has maybe got me so far, but cannot get me all the way. Lord, I want to pray that, that, that I look to you, even though I don't fully understand, I'm going to put my eyes on you. And Lord, I ask that you'll cleanse me of my sin, that I repent from what I've done in the past and believe and look to your son. Lord, I want to receive your Holy Spirit right here, right now and experience the gift of peace on our minds, on our bodies and on our health. Lord, I want to thank you that you're for us and not against us. And Lord, I want to pray that your blessing goes ahead of us this week as we go through our lives. And Lord, I pray that you'll 
remind us and awaken us to what you're doing in our world and in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've responded today, you know, there's going to be some details at the bottom of the screen. Please, you know, connect with us. We don't just want this to be a, 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 a talk that you hear and you package away, but connect with us. You know, in Global, we believe in doing church as a community, in relationship, real, relevant, relational and robust. And we want to get to know you. And so if you're willing, get in contact with us. We'll give you a call. We'll get back in touch. And hopefully we can start to talk and help journey you uh, closer in to the church and closer into relationship with Jesus. That's all from me. But tune in next week. Don't forget and have a great week. Take care. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 